Hey, it's James from Royal Credit Union's Money Donuts podcast. We're talking about a word that scares a lot of people. It's fraud. This individual, they were bombarding that phone so much that the person got a new phone number. There was a note, a sticky note on the outside of their door saying, what is your new phone number? What? So they hired, the scammer hired someone on Craigslist to place that note there. Listen to Money Donuts on your favorite podcast platform or watch full videos at rcu.org podcast. Movie review time. We finally chirped Kirsten Kroll enough that she caved and watched the Mighty Ducks trilogy all in one sitting. We're going to see what she thought, plus maybe toss out some Minnesota Wild names, see how they compare to the Mighty Ducks roster. We've also got NHL Network analyst Mike Rupp to help us break down whether Vegas and Seattle are actually as good as they appear. As always, we're created by New Voice Studios, presented by Soda Stick, brought to you by Talk North, Greenbelt, Jim Beam, and Royal Credit Union. This is Season 4, Episode 150. Get geared up for the hockey season with SodaStick.com. They've got all your favorite player tees from Marc-Andre Fleury to Matt Zuccarello to Ryan Hartman giving you the bird. SodaStick.com has you covered. Not only in just in hockey, though. You got Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota Twins, Minnesota Timberwolves, whatever your Minnesota sports team is, SodaStick has you covered with the best gear available. Don't forget to toss down Bardown Beauties at checkout for 15% off at SodaStick.com. At Jim Beam, they know the importance of tradition, like chanting, let's play hockey prior to the start of each game or playing the state of hockey anthem after a wild win. This season, raise one to your fan family with the bourbon that invites us all to come as friends and leave as family. Jim Beam Bourbon Whiskey, the official bourbon whiskey partner of the Minnesota Wild and XL Energy Center. Drink smart. Jim Beam Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. 40% alcohol by volume. Copyright 2021. James B. Beam Distilling Company, Incorporated, Claremont, Kentucky. Hello, everybody. What's up? We're back. Bardown Beauties, episode 150. I'm Jesse Pierce. She's Kirsten Kroll. He's producer Fred. Fred, we got any Fred bombs today? Oh, they're cooking. They're cooking. Just wait. So excited. So excited. I'm also very excited to announce you guys. As we found out this summer when Kirsten came on officially as our co-host, she has never seen any hockey movie, but namely the Mighty Ducks trilogy, which as we know as Minnesotans is like sacrilege, like you need to watch the Mighty Ducks hockey movies. They named a whole gosh darn team after this Disney movie based on a bunch of Minnesota kids. Kirsten finally watched it. She finally got enough of our chirping. Audra got in on the mix. Everybody on Twitter came for her, and it's here. Kirsten, you watched all three. I did watch all three, but first, I would just like to clarify. You said I didn't see any hockey movies. I've seen Miracle at least 50 times. Okay. So let's, I don't need people coming after me saying I've never seen Miracle because that is just not true. Um. So basically, just to recap my day yesterday, I got a text at, I don't know, 10 a.m. from one of my really good college friends. And all he says is, you're canceled. (laughs) And I was like, is this in regards to me never having watched The Mighty Ducks? And he goes, yes. So Jesse, thank you for putting that tweet back out online. Again, yesterday morning, people (laughs) saw and I heard about it. But yeah, so I mean, I had some time yesterday sat on my couch. I'm like, I think, I think today's finally the day I'm going to watch Mighty Ducks. And I didn't plan to watch all three, but it just happened. Um, didn't leave my couch all night, watched all three Mighty Ducks. I don't know what it was, but that first movie, I think the first one, the original one was my favorite of the three. 
I almost cried like two or three times. I don't the first what, 30 minutes of trying, that movie. Yeah. So sad. Like where he hangs is I, I'm trying to remember, like, I don't know that. I mean, I was a kid right when I first watched these. I really don't know the last time I've gone back to watch them because watching them on repeat as a child was enough, but I don't know that there was a tearful moment. I mean, like, there were no, some like the whole first 30 minutes out. of the first movie, like it, it talks about, you find out his dad died that same year. They lost the championship game Pee-wee and the coach let's be fair yes, on Pee-wee that. championship game. And his coach goes, if you miss this penalty shot, it is all your fault. Of course he misses it. Like, and yeah. I'm just sitting there watching it. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so harsh. Like this kid is like six, like, okay. A little older than six. You catch my drift. Kiwis are I like still, what? 12. Like, well, yeah, it, was also, it was also Emilio Estevez. So he could have been like 23 and still be the same height. This is true. Fair. But I mean, he's talking to short man. <laughs> um my favorite from the first one is when they're back at the rink and he's staring up and they have like the second place banner and coach o'reilly's like wish they'd take that one down it's like i literally eye rolled so hard i hated that guy from the first time he was on the screen i hated him um and to not get too heavy into the first movie but i will say the first one was my favorite Moving on to D2, that was my least favorite. I really didn't get into D2. I know, that that might be a very controversial take. It obviously has upset Fred. Um, Most people, that's their favorite, but I agree. And it's probably, again, it goes back to me working at USA Hockey. I'm like, this isn't a thing. The colors are like, none of this would happen. It just drove me insane. So here are my two biggest takeaways from D2 that I really just couldn't get over. I'm a realist, okay? So the Mighty Ducks, they win the PUE championship. Then all of a sudden, like, Coach Bombay, we want you to coach Team USA. Like, you kids are going to play for Team USA. I'm like, that is so unrealistic. I couldn't get over it the whole entire time. So, yes, people will probably give me heat for that. Like, I just, I couldn't get over it. It's and a then Disney also, movie. But you're introduced to the Bash Brothers, which is like, <sighs> and Julie the Cat Gaffney, who is my favorite, one of my favorites, but along with Portman, Dean Portman is just did some things to 12 year olds. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Jesse. Another thing Whoa. I couldn't get over. And I immediately texted you about this last night, Jesse, as soon as we got into D two. So you see Gordon Bombay. He finally, at, you knew it was going to happen at the beginning of the movie. He finally gets with Charlie Conway's mom. They're like a seemingly left dating. Then all of a sudden in D two, there's this new blonde chick and uh, he's like cr- obviously crushing on her. And I'm like, what happened to Charlie Conway's mom? Like, I clearly I missed a part if he said that they weren't dating. And Charlie's just so okay with like him and like nothing changed. I couldn't get over that part either the whole movie. I stand by, I'm pretty sure that there's like a quick address of it because I think he does say something about like, hey, how is your mom or whatever? Like, I I mean, like it's, it's concluded in that time between <laughs> the Wee championship and uh team iceland coming in i still use that line too where she's like actually greenland is full of ice and iceland is very nice i still remember that like i always like oh that's actually a true thing um that and uh gunner stalls let's go shake their hands (laughs) very classic oh my goodness (laughs) yes i did also see my twitter feed was full of mighty ducks quotes and gifts last night so i did appreciate that yeah um, D3, I really enjoyed D3. I was expecting to not like it, 
because people again into the Twitter mentions were like, that one is my least favorite, but I really liked it. It was so much better than D2. It's so good. I really enjoy it. Like I like coach Orion. I like what he kind of stands for. Like I'm going to play two-way hockey coach. I, and again, I told you young Jesse had a thing for Joshua Jackson and Charlie Conway. And in that movie, He's a high schooler, you know, same age as me. Uh, so that's what I particularly enjoyed. And also, like, it was just more funny moments. Like, now that they were teens, like, they were a little bit funnier and a little bit, they had their antics, right? Like, putting ants in the dorms of people. And, like, I don't know. It was just, it had a little bit of more humor to me at that time. I, I would agree with that. I, yeah. I, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, there was something else I was going to say, oh, the, I was texting you last night too. Cause you're just like, wait till you see Charlie Conway in D3. No, he just wasn't doing it for me. And I was trying to think, Again, of which it, is like, a good thing, right? Okay, because yes. he's a okay, child. Yes, let's get that out of the way. It is a very good thing that 26 year old me is not crushing on. This is like getting a really what, creepy. 14? We're going down a weird road now. I mean, I know. if I'm saying this stuff about a girl's movie, I'd be in trouble. Yeah, yes, but I was trying to think of it from the perspective of like, what would 12, 13 year old Kirsten have thought? And even thinking that I'm like, eh, probably not. You did bring up, which leads me to our next point. We'll stop with the movie view. I'm really proud of you, first of all, for watching. Thank all you. Three. Thank you. Um, but you had said something that I thought was fairly true. And again, do you guys cannot take this and use this in any way against me. But you said you thought he looked like uh, Tyson Jost, which I agree. I could see that Charlie, Con- like the Joshua Jackson, elder Joshua Jackson looks a little bit like Tyson Jost, uh, which is Once funny. you see it, you cannot unsee cannot it. Unsee it. Uh, which led, led, led me to like this thought, like what wild players, mighty ducks players are you, you, could you compare like who's Dean Portman and uh, who's Averman? And, you know, obviously the goalies are what they are, but like Marc-Andre Fleury is for sure. Julie, the cat. Right. I'm trying to think of who would be like Goldberg. I loved Goldberg. <laughs> that guy's got a crack problem now. He's better now. He's better now. Yeah. Seriously, he like, fell if on you look like times. Goldberg today, wow. <laughs> fell on some hard times. Oh. Um, I think, oof. And then also, uh, I'm, Fulton Reed. I loved mm-hmm. him too. I loved Fulton. I would Those say two, that's... I need a sec to like think who would they be? And Charlie Conway, I don't know. I need a sec to gather my thoughts. I think him and Spurge are, well, we said Tyson Joe, so we'll just go for looks, period. They like they look similar. They do. But otherwise, he'd be like a Spurge and like a, the quiet leader, you know, who would take a backseat. Yes. Okay, yes. To, I right? would agree with that when we put it in that kind of, um, yeah. I w- I'm kind of thinking Marcus Foligno for Fulton just because they kind of have that grit to both of them. A little bit. See, I would go... Matt Dumba is Dean Portman, like the hype, the crazy let's fight, but let's have fun out there. Yeah. He's a DJ in the locker room, loves music. Fulton Reed is almost like a Ryan Hartman to me okay, because he's a little bit quieter, right? Like he's integral in the team. Not to say that Marcus Foligno isn't, but like Mm -hmm. he's a part of that top line has that grit that you're talking about, but I just, cause Fulton Reed is just so quiet. Like he's just, and Marcus Foligno's anything. Okay, but yes. He, he, yes. Okay. That is a good way to put it. Um, I'm going to get the obvious one out of the way. Adam Banks, Kirill Kaprizov. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is can true. anyone disagree with that? I mean, no, obviously not. And Guy Germain, I would go with is Matt Zuccarello. 
Okay, but we need to go back to Goldberg. Who <laughs> is Goldberg on the wild? Jacob Goldberg, Middleton. I need to say Middleton. this person. Only for like yeah. the comic relief. Correct. Goldberg was my favorite. Like, hands down, I loved him. So any way this goes, like, this is a compliment. See, and in D3, when he's, like, feeding Julie the cat, like, all those donuts so she gets sick, like, I thought that was so funny. He's like, oh, you know, yeah, it's packed full of energy. Packed full. Because he loses his starting spot. So funny. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to go with Midzy. Great movie. Great movie. Um, Moving on to kind of less great things, your Minnesota Wild. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say those things, but I do. Um, Because, again, something that peeves me. Yes, they are coming off a win. As always, we were recording this on a Friday, so they have two games between now and then to prove this wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway. They're just they're not generating the offense. And again, I shouldn't be surprised because I was so critical of it coming into the season that you are not going to get the same offensive production, not just without a Kevin Fiala, but because your players are not going to perform. And sure. It hasn't helped that Felino and Hartman have been hurt. I believe Marcus Felino is very close. Ryan Hartman, as I mentioned last week, probably quite a bit further away than we would hope to see. I'm thinking December, but um, <clears throat> the five on five is a problem. Declan Goff, uh, tweeted out last week that they are 31st in the league in five on five goals. And that is atrocious. Like it's great that the power plays clicking, but you have an extra dude out there. Of course you're going to score. Like that's, that's all fine and well, but Kirsten, what can they do to generate more offense? Is there anything that you should, that they need to be doing differently? You know, you finally saw Kirill Kaprizov score the other night. I know we were kind of harsh on the skilled players not stepping up, but what else can this Minnesota wild team do just to be better in the, in the offensive department? Well, first I want to say who would have thought like just thinking back to last season when the wild absolutely for their lives could not score on the power play when that was the biggest issue that now turn around this year to talking about how they can't score five on five. Like, it just, for whatever reason, those switches have flipped and I don't really know why, but I mean, first and foremost, you need more than just that top line and Matt Boldy scoring mm-hmm. goals. You need the depth of your forwards who are more than capable. They've got the skill. They've got the talent to just generate offense. Like no, I don't want to name call anybody out, but there are forwards <laughs> who just have not lived up to what people had thought they were going to be. And it's leaving people being like, where are they? And just, uh, he's one. Yes. <laughs> but it's not even just him. Yeah. There are more than just right. him. Cause truly the only wild players who really have shown up night in, night out, Matt Zuccarello, Matt Boldy, Kirill Kaprizov, mm-hmm. you need more than just those three guys generating offense for your team. You're right. I mean, and, and- I mean, we've seen the younger guys getting called up from Iowa who have contributed like Cramarosa getting a goal in his first night, Mason Shaw, who's been seemingly showing up ever since he got called up. Like you need the veteran guys to really not only keep their spots, but to show that they deserve to be on this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And we had talked about that too, with the absence of Kevin Fiala. It's not just one player that was going to be like, okay, all of a sudden I'm better and eat up all that 85, 86 points, whatever it was, you were going to need everybody to contribute. And again, I was excited for the opportunity for some players. I knew Matt Boldy was going to take that step without question, but he's the only one that has. And again, Minnesota seems to always have this mentality of we're the very blue collar lunch pail type players go to work, um, you know, use your grit, use your determination, but then also you're seeing 
<clears throat> them not lean on some of that skill set either. I mean, again, not to say that Kirill Kaprizov is the only one that needs to be at scoring, but you need to also put him with those skill players. Like Marco Rossi needs to have a shot on that line again, I think, because he's not the blue collar player. He is the guy that can score. I don't know. I mean, I'm just talking out of both sides of my mouth sometimes because I don't know what the answer is because <clears throat> it's frustrating to watch this team look nothing like they're not even a semblance of what you saw last year at this point. Right. Which you're not that different. You're really not. Again, the injuries to these players, it's going to happen. And and again, I will reiterate, it's great. It's happening now in November. It's better now than, than later. I just, I don't know what the answer is. It's and it's not even, it's the way they're losing. They just don't seem to care. There seems to be yeah. a lack of desperation. And again, yes, I say that it's early, but you still want to get these points. You still need to go out there and win. And sometimes it just seems like they're kind of humming and hawing through the first two periods. And then they're like, okay, but the difference is it doesn't always work in the third. Like it did last year. They're not pulling the goalie with nine minutes left for a two man advantage on a power. Like I just, it's very different. It's a very different team and it's too different. And I don't like it. Well, also too, I think at this point with just how this team has performed specifically. I mean, it was the defense in the beginning. Now the defense is clicking a little more. Now it's the offense or even in between then, then it was goaltending, but now the focus really is on that offense. And at this point too, I think it's that the players are getting so frustrated. <clears throat> they know that they can score, but now I think it's just a big mental block. Like I think honestly, they are their own biggest problem right now because for whatever it is, they've got that monkey on their back. Like they know that the pressure's on, they need to score and they're just not, I think it's because they haven't. So getting past that mental block, honestly might be what they need to do to, in order to get the floodgates going to get that offense going. And right. I mean, winning obviously helps loosen everybody up in the room, but it just, this year, I will say credit to Dean Evans. I was harsh on him last year for this. Like he is making changes. He is being, like reactive to some of the situations, which I think is good, but yeah, I don't, I literally don't have an answer for you. Like, you know, Marcus Foligno still active in the room, even when he's not playing. So it's not like you're missing some of those big voices there. I mean, as it sits right now, Minnesota wild in fifth in the central, you've got Winnipeg of all teams at the top, followed by Dallas, Colorado, Arizona is sitting in number four. You guys, can we just talk about the standings all across the NHL though? Like, yes, yes. we'll get that I with Mike Rupp. We'll dive a lie. Into yeah. Okay. I we know. will, but I'm just saying everything I thought I knew is a lie. You're right. Can I ask a question really fast? Of course. How much is this a lack of actual leadership? Like your captain is such a meek voiced person. He doesn't have like a big, take charge personality in the locker room that I've been able to see is are we lacking like someone to just grab the bull by the horns and like, let's do this. I mean, personally, I think that narrative got like a little dramatized because I think Spurgeon is a good voice in the room. We just don't get to see it outwardly. Right. Like I think behind the scenes he is, he's very, he's very good. And you still have Marcus Foligno, Matt Dumba who make up for that with the A's on their chest. Right. So, I mean, and I don't think those guys necessarily lean wholly on the players with the letters on their sweaters. I think they definitely look at everybody has a voice in that room. So I don't know. It's necessarily on Spurge. Um, I think it's on each individual guy. Like, 
they know what they're capable of. And for whatever reason, they're not playing their type of hockey that they played last year. And again, it's when these losses mount up, I understand that you grip your tip, your stick a little bit tighter. You are just trying too hard to be fancy, trying too hard to generate something where it's like, pull it back just a smidge, um, you know, and, and see what happens again, credit to the teams that are performing well and taking advantage of kind of a sluggish Minnesota wild, but that's it. That's the word I was looking for. They're like sluggish out there. Like they're tired. And I just, I can't imagine. I mean, Kirill Kaprizov is grinding in addition to using his, his skill. I just, yeah. So to answer your question, Fred, from my perspective, I don't think that it's on the captains necessarily. It's on each individual player finding it within themselves to just go out there and win the game. Kirsten. Yeah. That, <laughs> well, I didn't know if Fred was going to pitch in and like have a rebuttal to that. And I then... don't rebuttal. I just ask questions. Oh, he just okay. stirs the pot. Fred bomb. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Fred bomb. Clearly I need to work on my banter again, or at least take a hint. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, Jesse, I think I would agree with you. I mean, you're obviously around the team a lot more than I am. Um, I think his presence in the locker room, and there's probably, like you mentioned, a lot more behind the scenes than we see. Because, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, he seems quiet and just more reserved, like people very respected, but just he doesn't have the Marcus Foligno who's going to really make himself known mm-hmm. if you will. So I don't know. There's probably a lot more to it than we get to see. So I, I, I would agree though. I think it comes down to each individual player, just not taking advantage of the moment. And I mean, I would look, you look at some other cat, like Sidney Crosby to me is a very, very quiet player too. Like I, you know, not to put Spurgeon Crosby on the same plane level necessarily. I love me some Jared Spurgeon, but I mean, I don't think it's, yeah, it's necessarily that, but it's a, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This team frustrates me. I, that's all I got. It's really, it's just incredibly frustrating. I don't like it. Hopefully things change again. They play Seattle and then they come back and host, I believe it's San Jose on Sunday um, before we get a nice little home stretch here as well. We are going to dive more into NHL talk when we come back with NHL network analyst and former Minnesota wild player and Stanley cup champion, Mike Rupp. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Joining us now, Mike Rupp, NHL Network Analyst, and Miko Koivu's favorite dressing room stall neighbor. I'm just going to go with that, Rupper. I think that sounds pro- about appropriate. Uh, how are you today? Uh, I'm good. I mean, I, I pretty much made Miko's career, uh, even though I came in right at the end of his, towards the end of his career, but uh, he won't probably say that, but I will. But glad to be back with you guys. Um, it's been a while, and it's uh, good to be back. It's good to be back. Good to be back in hockey season. However... What is going on with this league? What is going on with these teams? Everything, yeah. as Kirsten, my partner here, alluded to, everything that we thought we knew about the NHL teams this year, it's just kind of flipped upside down. What do you make of the early start to the season so far? It is crazy. And you know what? We we always have that. I don't know. I've, I've always kind of thought it was a little bit bogus, but the Thanksgiving, where you're at in the standings, all those things. I mean, I was, I don't know. I've always thought like, man, I don't really pay too much attention to it. But the, but the percentage of teams that, that are in the playoffs at Thanksgiving and uh, that uh, end up making the playoffs, it's, you can't argue that. Right. So yeah. I, I think though, that my point in that is, I think this year is going to prove that to be dead wrong. I mean, there's, <laughs> uh, you're going to have a ton of teams you do right now that are outside the playoffs that you would at the beginning of the year, I would have, I would have bet the farm that they'd be on the inside. Um, 
it's trying to figure out who's real, who's not, um, you know, who's, who's going to be, there's a lot of really good teams that have been struggling. So I will say this with that being said, you know, it's not all doom and gloom in Pittsburgh. It's not all doom and gloom and uh, Colorado or uh, even St. Louis, who's last place in the Western conference. Like this is a team that's only six points out or seven points out of a playoff spot. Same thing in Minnesota. Like, is it gone as planned? Probably not, but it's not the end of the world. Like there's still a lot of, a lot of track left in this season. We're you okay didn't name Minnesota Louis. at first. I was like, Oh no, it's doom and gloom here for the rest of the season. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, you know, and that's the funny thing is like, is there concern? I mean, like an example, like Minnesota, was I expecting better? Yeah, I think that we all did. I mean, last year was an exceptional year. Uh, I think there was going to be a natural regression in some areas because you had such career years from guys, Kevin Fiala being gone, you know, but it's, it's been okay. And uh, it, put it this way, it, it, it could have been worse, it, but it certainly could have been better too. So, but they're certain, certainly in the mix. They're in the hunt. Uh, I think you're going to start seeing some separation. I always feel like that first 20 games looks a certain way. The next 20 looks a little different and so on and so forth as the season goes on. And the cream rises to the top. Like the good teams are going to get better as the season goes on. So as long as you're not dead in the water, out of the mix, and really there's not many teams that are at this point, you still got a shot. So I, I think that the future of this season, I should say, is still bright for, for a team like Minnesota. The Coyotes are ahead of Minnesota in the Central Division, just so you know. Just That's my point. It's crazy <laughs> stuff is happening here. Uh, you've, got the, you've got the Coyotes. I mean, honestly, I think the one team that's probably out of it, if I had to say, would probably be Columbus in the East. Uh, they're a team that's dug themselves a hole in the – in the central division, it's different because you've had like who, look who's at the top. I mean, you've got you got Winnipeg and Dallas. Great stories. I love it. It's awesome for them. But I mean, where's where's Colorado? Where's where's Minnesota? I thought Nashville was arguably going to be the second best team in that division. There am I. So did I, Mike? So did I. Yeah. So I mean, I had I, I just nothing's making sense right now for me to think that it's going to stay like this. Uh, um. I don't think it will. I think that's why this this thing at Thanksgiving, this myth will be proven. Uh, is just that a myth? And but not every team's going to bounce back. I mean, if you got five teams outside the playoffs right now that should be in, I don't think five teams are going to be back in the mix. Maybe three, maybe four. I don't know, maybe two. I mean, they'd be discrediting all the teams like the New Jersey Devils, who've been great stories, or. Um, talk about the Winnipeg Jets, which has been a great story. I mean, they'd be discrediting what they've done and they're just going to disappear. So I don't think every team comes back into it, but uh, I think that there, there's a majority that do. And yeah. Mike, too, I want to ask, and Jesse knows I've been on the edge of my seat wanting to talk about this this entire show. She's had to cut me off so we can save it for you. But I mean, you see, you mentioned New Jersey. They're one of the teams who really have surprised everyone. Vegas. I mean, should people have been surprised with that one? I don't know, but namely, and I will be honest, I've been very critical of the Seattle Kraken. They've even been blowing expectations. So, I mean, are these some teams we should have seen coming or are they teams that with their roster were set to have better years this year? Or what do you, do you think that maybe this is just kind of one of those things before Thanksgiving still early? 
Yeah, I think it's probably more of the latter there. I think it's still early to really tell. Again, if if I if you say that, I feel like that's discrediting what a team like New Jersey's doing, and they're a fun team to watch. Like they are. I think that it's funny to speak on New Jersey that way because it's if you're flipping through channels and you're and your team's off on one night or you're a casual hockey fan or just getting into it, um, tune into the Devils because they play a style that's fun. I mean, it's almost equivalent to maybe not as big of a name as Connor McDavid on, on Edmonton Oiler nights. It's like, that's must watch TV. I think the devil's the way they're playing. It's a fun, fast style. It's like the new NHL, the way it goes. Um, but you know, when you're talking about some of those other teams, Vegas, I, I didn't know what to think of Vegas. It could have gone either way. I, I had Vegas as being a team that could win that division uh, before the season started, but I also said they might miss the playoffs. Like I had no idea what to expect. I think they are, um, certainly surprising me of what they look like. Cause I didn't, I didn't love that roster. Um, they think there was uncertainty in goal. Although I love Logan Thompson and what he does, he's been spectacular, but this roster through and through is, is been great. And you got to give a lot of credit to Bruce Cassidy coming in there and getting this team playing the proper way. Cause they've got that edge that the same edge they had as a, as a, um, in their inaugural season, right. They had that chip on their shoulder, the misfits. Nobody wants these guys. Uh, they they look pretty much like that same kind of cut from that same cloth. And I think it's given them a nice edge. Yeah. I mean, and for New Jersey, all those first round picks have to eventually amount to something, right? Sorry. You'd I had think, to get right? You would think. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're bad for so long, you're yeah. probably going to be good at some point. I don't know, it go. seems like the NHL. <laughs> uh, you know, we had talked about, you had mentioned you thought Nashville was going to be better. Kirsten and I were so high on the Preds coming yeah. into this year with the moves that they made. What do you think is going on in Nashville that has them starting out a little bit sluggish and, and just not out the gate really um, doing as well as they are capable of doing. Also, yeah, just it's... to get this in really quick before then, even look at that Nashville Predators game against the Seattle Kraken, four goals on five shots for Seattle. Yeah. So Nashville has been disappointing me with my early season prediction, to say the least. Mm-hmm. They were the team for me to look out for this year. Um, I had them. I didn't have them. I had Colorado winning the division, but by a very slim margin. Uh, and I just think Colorado still has a good chance of winning that division. It, they're kind of the same thing. They, they've been hanging around. They've been okay, certainly dealing with injuries. I think they'll be solid by, by the time March comes rolling around and be in a really good spot. But with that being said, I thought Nashville was going to be pushing for that top spot, probably finishing at number two. And I had, I think, the Minnesota Wild at three in that division. Uh, Nashville, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I mean, you went out and you added a, a defenseman, Ryan McDonough, that I, I just, uh, my former teammate, I love the guy. I love what he brings. I think, I think Tampa still kind of flailing because of that in a lot of ways, um, because of losing him. And he's such a rock adding him, Nino Niederreiter, who Minnesota fans know well, uh, he had an awesome season last year in, in Carolina. I was just like, these two guys you added are, are of the makeup that you already are like, it's just going to, it's going to be a seamless transition. Um, maybe it's a little bit of Nashville players having career years again last year. I mean, it Roman Yossi who was pushing, what, did he get 90 points or he was pushing 90 points? Push, I think he got crazy. 90. Did yeah. he get 90? Yeah. I mean, it was an incredible season for the ages for Roman Yossi. Um, and then you had Matthew Shane, Ryan Johansson. Uh, then you had the, Geez, you had great stories with Tanner Janot was leading leading the uh, rookies in goal scored, and they had that identity of their team. 
UC Saros was amazing. And just like you mentioned, uh, their goaltending hasn't really been good. I don't I want to pigeon it just on them. It's a lot of the play in front of them too. But I don't know. They started off that season in, in Europe, got a couple big wins. And you think, oh, Nashville's, Nashville's what we expect them to be. And they, they've been struggling since. So I'll, I'm not ready to throw in the towel on them. But uh, there's been, that's a team I'm very concerned about, though, because I thought they were going to be a top-end team in this league. Are there any, which team is your biggest surprise, whether they're surprising you by how well they're doing or they're really surprising you by how much they are struggling? Is there one team that comes to mind that you're like, man, I just did not see this coming? Um, I would say, oh man, um, Boston, I didn't think Boston was going to be this good. I thought Boston, I thought the Eastern conference, it was, it was a stretch to say, even though I loved and Ottawa was really struggling. I'd say those two teams is one at each end of the spectrum. Um, Ottawa was a team with those moves they made and how good they, their off season looked that a lot of people thought, well, is it going to be them? Is it going to be Buffalo? Is it going to be, um, New Jersey, uh, Detroit, like one, are we going to have a new team kind of in the mix there? And when you started looking at last year, I think Ottawa was the closest of those teams to the playoffs. I think they were still 35, 34 points out. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So you're like, if there's a 15 point swing in your favor, which would be gigantic, um, you're still 15 to 20 points out. So you're expecting that team to drop down. And, and this is just kind of throwing things around. Like in the last, the, the two wildcard teams last year in the East were Boston and Washington. So I'm like, all right, I don't love Washington. I think that they are a team that could fall out, but I think Boston's right there too. So I was like, with all the injuries that they had to start the season, I, I thought those guys are going to be out till December. I thought this team was going to struggle. They've been unbelievable. I mean, they've been, they've been a huge story. They look dominant. They play with that edge. Um, Jim Montgomery's got them. I mean, that that team's loaded, and they're playing very well. They get great goaltending by Linus Allmark. Uh, they, they, they've been the biggest surprise because I thought that they would be fighting tooth and nail all season long to get into the playoffs. I thought maybe they'd still get there because there's a big gap between that next grouping in the East, but – uh, they're pretty, they're pretty, pretty solid right now in first place uh, in that division and that, in that conference. And to kind of bring things back to the Minnesota wild, I mean, you mentioned to Mike, how we thought that they would be doing better than they have been. Um, they're 31st right now in five on five scoring across the NHL. Do you think they're going to get better? And if so, even if not, what do they need to do to get things going? Are they going to make the playoffs rougher? That's what the wild fans need to know. I already had them on the bubble coming in for the same reasons yeah. you mentioned about like the career years and the loss of, of Fiala there, but I don't, I, are they making the playoffs? Not even that. Are they getting past the first round into the <laughs> second? <laughs> um, they, they probably to me right now, I thought they're going to finish top three in the central. Uh, I don't feel obviously as secure with that. Now. Uh, I think that this team went from being a, like a, a team that can score goals to all of a sudden struggling in that area. Um, having Jordan Greenway out, I think it's hurt this team. I remember the, uh, we all remember the, the grief line, how good and effective that line was. And we haven't been able to see that. Um, just been a lot of individual storyline storylines have kind of dropped off from last year i think this is a team who the the decor needs to be a strength of theirs it hasn't really been um 
I don't know. It's it's uh, they're, they're going to be a bubble team, I think, this year. I, I, I'm not willing to throw in the towel on them, but it, it, this is part of that navigation. I mean, it, this is what makes it difficult is they surprised and they were such the talk of the league last year that I was nervous that the bar was set a little high here. And I don't mean where internally with that group, I don't think it's, um, you know, Bill Guerin's always going to push the envelope and wants to challenge his team and move forward with the group. But I wonder, there's a few teams out there that, and I don't know if this is the case, but I'll go back to my former coach, John Tortorella, who is so good at managing the mental side of it. He used to always say things like, you haven't won a blankety blank thing. You haven't done a thing. So to the, that locker room, to, I mean, honestly, there's only one team that did anything last year. That's Colorado. That's the way you have to view it. Like the New York Rangers, did you guys, did you have that edge this summer? Did you feel like we accomplished something? We're heading somewhere. Uh, you want to be positive. You want to think those things. But at the same time, you have to have a distaste in your mouth no matter what, because you didn't win the Stanley Cup, and that's your goal. So I wonder if the Minnesota Wild were just went through the summer and were content at their progress because they were a team that had an edge last year. And I don't really see that bite now. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean it's gone. It doesn't mean it's dead. Just got to find a way to get that back. Cause that was something that separated that team last year. And uh, we're not seeing it at this, to this point. So it, that, that's the challenging part. It's, it's frustrating, but it's also part of the process and you gotta, you gotta kind of learn and push through and, and deal with the adversity. I think you nailed it. I mean, anytime you want Kirsten and I to come on NHL network with you, cause that's exactly how we feel too. It just, it's something seems different. The vibe is off. And actually when you're winning games, that vibe is different. So it just seems right now they can't get past this hump and they're, they don't seem to, they're content. I think content is a perfect word because sometimes when they come out the gates, those first periods, four straight games, they haven't scored a goal in the first period. And they just kind of seem yeah. like, huh, it's okay. Like they're yeah. waiting, you know, it's just, it's, it's very, very different and, and uh, frustrating to say the least for Minnesota wild fans um, out here as, as well. Who do you have winning the Stanley cup this year? Oh man. If you, coming into the season, not knowing coming what we know season. now. Yes. But coming in the season, I still said Colorado. Um, I'm one of those that it takes me a while to get off of the former or the team that just won the cup. Um, I, I still feel pretty, pretty good about that, but they're going to have to make some adjustments as the season goes on. Well, first off, they got to get healthy. That's the biggest thing for them. And they've had no Landis Gog, um, but they, the other day they lost Manson and Gerard now, I think for an extended period. They're dinged up, um, but that's still a dangerous team. And and last year we were in the playoffs when we saw them, and I don't know, I I, had, I didn't see anybody that can handle their speed when they're when they're going. And so uh, it, again, you can't really judge that team at this point. Um, but they're still they're still the leaders in the, in the clubhouse for me as far as in the West. Uh, out in the East, I think it's wide open. I think it is wide wide open. I I think the team is set up the best as far as what I see on paper. That's the New York Rangers, but they, <laughs> they struggle in a lot of ways at times too. You know, I just mean from personnel wise, they right. check all the boxes. There's a lot of underlying stats and a lot of like, when you dive into some numbers that will, that will say they're not ready. They're not there, but um, they, you know, they got a 
an unbelievable goaltender. Their decor, I would put up against anybody's. And the depth of their forward lines, I would, I would put against anybody too. But I'd probably say them. I still think Tampa finds a way to get this thing going. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that I probably would go those two in, in the East and then, and then Colorado in the West. I think that sounds fair. I actually had Colorado, New York myself. I'm, I'm so high on Igor. I just, he's so good. Like I just yeah. absolutely love it. Kind of final question for you, bringing it back to Minnesota, knowing where they're at right now. And it's, it's probably again, still too early. And I remind Minnesota wild fans this all the time. Like I'd rather have this lull now than February, March, yeah. April, right? Like let's deal with the struggles now, but knowing their cap situation and knowing kind of how tough that's going to be. Do you see Billy G being active come deadline or making some moves Matt Dumba for instance he's on a contract year and I know his name is constantly floated around but with the way that he's performing currently his name might suitably be up there do you see Minnesota making any moves or doing anything to fix the team as it sits now or do you think they do kind of sit back knowing that they just got to get out of this salary cap hell for for a little bit that's a tough one because like I said Billy's always going to to challenge and, and do the best that he can to move this team forward I'll say this about Matt Dumba. This guy was supposed to be traded these last few seasons. And I know personally from talking to Billy, he wants and has done everything in his power to keep this D intact because he loves his decor. And he, he Matt Dumba is a huge piece. And when everybody else out there thought that Matt Dumba was going to probably be the piece to be leaving, Billy knew that that wasn't going to happen. He, he wasn't going to let that happen. And there had to be some very tough decisions made elsewhere in the group. Um, so I'm not convinced that that is going to be the, the one thing, just because I know how important Matt Dumba is to this team and to Bill Guerin. Um, but this is a team that, uh, put it this way, it's almost, it's a great opportunity, but it's almost unfair because, and I'm, I put that as far as on the NHL network, that kind of pressure on a player like Marco Rossi. Okay, so this is a roster that we know you need entry-level contracts to thrive. And that's why this team's done well, right? They had, they had Kirill on that, then the Matt Boldy. Like, these are things that you have to have. I think good teams, competitive teams have to have um, players playing above their contracts. And because of the dead cap space with the buyouts, um, they're going to have to have that. So it's almost like Marco Rossi is the one piece on this roster, on, this, on these depth charts, that can help this team in so many ways. But he's also human and he's also a player that's trying to to he's, he's had a tough couple seasons uh, as far as health. And he's trying to find his way and carve out his NHL career. And every player takes they, they, they develop at their own speed. It's almost like the wild can't really wait, though. So it's like you want to push him. You want to push him because having him get up in that top six consistently, find his offensive touch because he's got a great offensive touch. Finding his game will help this team so much, will alleviate so much pressure that's put on players like when they're healthy too. Ryan Hartman, Eric Sinek, um, you know, Freddie Gaudreau, like you, you, it would help so much. But it's also, you got to remember, he's a kid. And it's mm -hmm. going to take some time. So, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I look forward to when he figures it out and, and knows how he fits in in the NHL and plays his game. The Wild need that because they need someone on one of those entry-level contracts taking on big roles with this team. Fingers crossed. We've all been waiting. A very Minnesota sports fans are just used to the pain. Rupper, you know, that's just what we do. 
<laughs> That's what you do. That's what you do. Well, hey, listen, I think that it's uh, they got a lot of pieces in place. Last year was awesome. This is not your old Minnesota Wild. This is a team that they'll, they're pretty hard-headed, and their coach that they have there is pretty hard-headed. They'll find a way. They're a stubborn group, and they're, they're, I don't think they'll be denied too long, so they'll start winning again. You remind me of that cat on that motivational poster. Like, it'll be okay, guys. I yeah. promise. <laughs> what we don't see is the cat probably falls. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, <that's> gonna... <laughs> It's fine, Kirsten. It's fine. All right, Doom guys. and gloom in Jesse's oh. office. I've, I'm down. Yeah, my optimism was here. They got me there, and I just hey, fall. But Jesse, you said it right. In Minnesota, and I know from when I played there, and there's been this story, there was always the January collapse for the Minnesota Wild. Every year. Every mm-hmm. year. There was like this collapse, and was it January or maybe even early February? Let's get out of the way now. You know what I mean? Like they, and, and, and the fact that the fact that you're – you're struggling. You look like a shell of what you were last year. You're you're tied for the last spot in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like if you if things are <laughs> if things if you if things go incredibly bad for 13 games or what you think because of the expectations and you're still in the mix, you're fine. You'll be you got a chance of being fine. You're not yeah. just automatically fine. You got to do something about it, but yeah. you're, Start still, winning, you're still, but... yeah, you're still, you're still in the mix here. So um, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on the web. I love oh, how yeah. that was clarified and everyone listening to this, just know there's a chance. Yes. <laughs> Put it on yes. the fridge. Yeah. Like, like, Cause they're saying there's a chance. Well, Mike, thanks again for joining us. Just a reminder, you guys, you can catch Stanley cup champion and NHL network analyst, Mike Rupp on NHL tonight at 9 PM central this evening as a game analyst on the NHL showcase or network showcase game between the Suns and flyers tomorrow, Saturday at 12 PM central. Mike, you're the best. We appreciate you. We'll uh, let Miko know you say hi. Hi. Yes, please do that. in any time guys. Thank you. We're back. Uh, thanks again to Rupper for joining us, chatting with us. Uh, shout out to our girl, Amanda, too, for always making that connection. Adore her. Um, yeah, Kevin Weeks, we're still looking for you. Tried to get you on. Weeksy, get a Weeksy bomb coming in here. Uh, before we wrap up this week's episode, we had an up for debate question talking about the defense, which Kirsten had earlier said has improved. I would agree. So who do you think thus far, Kirsten, has been the Minnesota Wild's best defenseman out of these three options? Jared Spurgeon, Kaylin Addison, or Jonas Brodeen? You know, my my take on this might be a little biased just because I feel everyone has been talking about him the most. I would say Kaylin Addison. I would say in games, he's probably made the biggest splash. Like you see him, whether it be on the power play or whatnot, I just feel like out of these three, he his name is popped around a lot more. You just hear more about him. You see him more. I think he has more of that presence and is getting into the areas on the ice and has been more of a presence on the defense throughout the season as opposed to the others. And Jonas Brodeen, he's, he's just been so inconsistent or just really bad this year. He is not in... No, he's not the best defenseman <laughs> on the team this season. I don't really know what's going on with him, but I would say Kalen Addison. That is my take. That would be my number one, but for the sake of conversation, I'll say Spurge too. I mean, Spurge hasn't done an, you know, hasn't been lighting the world on fire, but he still is that steadfast blue liner that we love to see. Um, I agree. Broads out of those three has probably been the least, uh, which is again, so uncharacteristic. Like that's the thing, like this team 
is not the team that we've come to know and lean and depend on. Like Jonas Brodeen for the past three years has just been this tremendous defenseman and you're not seeing that. So um, again, Addy, adore him. I think he's absolutely crushing it back on the blue line. I mean, mistakes are very minimal. As you'd mentioned, Kirsten, the power play, fantastic. He's got that um, kind of natural offensive instinct, which is huge, even though the offense isn't generating anything. Um, but Jared Spurgeon would be my next best selection. So uh, again, thank you to Mike Rupp. Thank you to the NHL Network. Thank you to all of you for listening in. We hope to see you this Friday at Ziggy's 7 to 8 p.m. for our next Green Belt live show. Cannot wait. Bring some questions. We'll have some prizes. We'll uh, have some beer specials going on. It's going to be a blast. We look forward to it. Don't forget to share, rate, subscribe, um, all that good stuff. Leave your comments if you have them below. We'd love to hear from you. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Shout out to Talk North. Shout out to Soda Stick. Shout out to Royal Credit Union, Green Belt, and Jim Beam. Mwah. Have a great week, guys. Bye. Bye.